Good morning, church. How y'all doing today? Good. All right. So I'm thankful this morning that the Lord is working on our computers, and he's working right now in the name of Jesus on our computers so that we can get lyrics up there and so that, you know, we can enter into worship without distraction. Um, But if they don't start church, we're going to enter into worship without distraction. Because week in and week out, we begin this service talking about how it's our responsibility to, to feel those distractions, to have those distracting thoughts. And we practice, we work out those muscles of taking those distractions and setting them aside because he's worthy of our focus. I do it because I need him. I need him. And he loves me. And he loves me whether or not I yelled at my kids this morning. He loves me whether or not I dropped the turkey on Thanksgiving. It was him. him. (laughs) But I was there. I was a part of it. Um, It was like a salmonella water balloon exploded in the kitchen. Just saying. It's real. It's real. In that moment, in that moment, it's like, what came out? Lord, what's in my heart? And I'm I'm thankful to say that I laughed. It wasn't those naughty words. But I'm telling you, sometimes there's a naughty word, and then I know. I know, ooh, Liz, what's going on in your heart? You need to get with God because you're angry. (laughs) You got angry words coming up in your head. Anywho, I'm talking long because I'm hoping that the computer's going to restart. It's our responsibility to, 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 to stand up to those distractions and to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus. When we do that, he keeps us in his perfect peace. And I'm hungry for peace this morning. I'm hungry for all that he has this morning. So let's enter into worship determined this morning. Oh, there's lots of different words I could have chosen. I love the words determined to give him our all and to receive from him all that he has for us this morning. Amen. Well, church, stand with me. I'm going to read a call to worship out of Psalm 100. You guys hear me okay? Okay. Says this. Says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are the people. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. So Father, we just come before You today. Father, we come before You today with praise and worship. Lord, we enter into Your gates with thanksgiving, into Your courts with praise, Lord. Father, we just want to glorify You and honor You today. And we give You all the thanks. All the thanksgiving goes to You. We worship You and we praise Your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's Church, worship. I want to encourage you. If you don't know the words and the words aren't up there, close your eyes. Close your eyes and just listen. Just listen to the worship and set your heart on the Lord. You don't have to know the words. 
and you don't have to fumble through and try to get the words, but close your eyes so that you can enter in and you can hear and you can focus in on the Lord this morning. Let's worship. Church, we're going to come to the table of communion this morning and we're going to remember Jesus. Church, today is the day of salvation. Jesus, the King of heaven, the only worthy one, he came. He came. It overwhelms me every time that he came for me. He came and he stands at the door and he knocks. He will not bust down the door of your heart and he will not take from you. He will not take your life. He will not take control. He will not take from you anything that you do not surrender to him. The burden is heavy. Surrender it to Jesus. Sin is heavy and destructive. Surrender it to Jesus. Control is so tempting. I want it. Feels good. It's a trap and it's an illusion. Doesn't fix anything. Surrender it this morning to Jesus. The only one who is worthy. The only one who is purely trustworthy. The only one who will never fail you. The only one who will who wants you exactly as you are. He wants you. This morning, as we come to the table of communion, we're going to lean into Jesus. We're going to lean into Jesus. Church, he stands at the door and knocks this morning. Will you open the door to him? He doesn't want you to clean yourself up first. He knows your sin. He already knows it better than you do. He knows the depths of it. He knows the foul places you've been, the foul things you've thought. Nothing is hidden from him, and yet he stands at the door and knocks for you. Requiring only your permission to enter. He wants you, church. He wants us. He calls us beloved covered in our stink and our filth. He wants us and he calls us clean. And so then when we open that door, one touch, that moment, we begin walking with him, we become clean. And he does the work. He does the work. So I'm going to dismiss you to come down at the table. Um, you're going to pick up the communion elements. It's a cup of juice stacked on top of the cracker. And you're going to circle back around to your seats. Uh, Pastor Jason's going to come up and we're going to partake of uh, the body and the blood of Jesus this morning together. We're going to partake of his grace. Go ahead, guys. Come on up. The plate in the middle is gluten-free if you need that. I know we've, we say this quite often. I don't want this to go as, oh, it's just something that Pastor Jason and Liz are saying again. But as I was standing down there, as Pastor Liz was sharing, I feel like the Lord really wants us to remember and understand that what he did 2,000 years ago is not some 
history lesson. It's not something that you read in a book. It's not something that you try to remember fondly about. Try to picture maybe a movie in your head or something that you've seen. The Lord wants us to know that when we take these elements today, we are saying what happened in the physical realm 2,000 years ago is as real today in the spiritual realm as if it was happening right now. As if it was happening right now. His body broken. His blood shed. For me. For you. The revelation of that, when we can get a hold of that, is life-changing, is powerful. It says we'll walk out of here never to be the same again. Church, the earth shook. The earth shook and the veil was torn. A veil that was as high as the ceiling, that was as thick was torn from top to bottom. The barrier between us and heaven was removed. As he gave his spirit up to heaven, that's what happened that day. Power over sin, power over death. No longer are you a slave. No longer are you a slave to sin and death, No lo- to lack and sickness. That's what happened that day. That's today. That's here. Power. The power of heaven. Intimacy with God the Father today. No longer separated. It's today, church. It's today, church. Power. So, Lord, we just invite you now into every space, into our life. We invite you into the dark places, the deep places. We invite you into the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Jesus, we receive your body, your blood broken for us your blood shed for us that you would love us so much that you would make a way for us of direct access to God Jesus we thank you for it we praise you for it Lord, as we take these elements today, that the reality of what we just said, the reality of this, these elements, the symbolism that's in them becomes so real to us today that it changes our lives. Thank you, Lord. Bible says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks, he broke, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let us partake father we just praise you today we glorify you today Jesus, we lift your name up on high. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place to have your way. And Lord, we just want to worship you and give you thanks, true thanksgiving to you for what you've done for us. In your precious name we pray, amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. Stand with me, and the altars are open. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts. Transforms us. Father, we worship you. We praise you this morning. We lift up the name of Jesus and we magnify his holy name. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you are working in every heart and in every mind and in every life. You are working. Father, I thank you that you are good. That your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. We glorify you and we magnify you and we love you, Father, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to read this Psalm 125, just the first two verses, and then we can close out. It says, To those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take a few minutes. Um, He's working this morning. He's working this morning. So I'm excited. I'm excited to bring the message. I'm excited to see what he has in store for each and every one of us because he's working. And he's not in a hurry. We're not behind. There's so much freedom in that. So we're going to take a few minutes to take a break. 
Um, we're going to dismiss the kids. The nursery is open, ages zero to three. Littles ministry, ages four, five, and six. For kids ages seven and up, there is Kid Corner. Um, if you're an ECF kid, you know the drill. Your bags are over there. If you're a guest and you have children, you can head over to Kid Corner, um, and someone will be back there to greet you and to help you um, either get a bag or get you uh, to nursery or Littles ministry. We also have the family room that's open. That's a place for parents and kids to hang out together. Kids can play. Parents can listen to the service. Uh, if you're a guest, we welcome you. If this is your first time, welcome to ECF. This is who we are. You've experienced this community of believers worshiping Jesus. This is who we are. This is what we do. And we're so happy to have you with us this morning. On the back of the seats, there's a connection card. That connection card is for visitors and it's for church family. It's where you can put your prayer requests, your praise reports, and your testimonies. Um, you know, those things, they go somewhere. We pray. We rejoice um, in those. Um, they don't just float away, right? Uh, if you're a guest, you can put your email and we'll send you a welcome email. Those cards can come up into the, the buckets up here during the break. It's also where you can bring your tithes and your offerings um, and do that cheerfully. Bible says he, he wants a cheerful giver. You know, I have lots of kids and sometimes it's just like you, you need to give that. You need to share that with your brother and they're just like, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, no, let's, let's try that again. Let's try that again. I don't want you to fake it, but I want you to be honest. Like, mom, this is hard for me and I'm angry. I get it. I get it. Let's just hand it to him and then I'll say good job. And then we do that and they grow and we all grow. So um, this is where you bring your tithes and offerings. And I think that's it. We'll come back together in about five minutes um, and we'll get settled to hear the word this morning. All right, church, grab a seat, grab a seat. Okay, I get the pleasure to do announcements today. Now, my children, of course, it's Thanksgiving, so we've been spending a lot of time with our kids, uh, and they have a few jokes that they wanted me to share, but I'm only going to share one joke with you. You'll have to come back to hear more jokes that they have told me about this. But this is, a, this is a good one. We'll start with this one. And the joke goes like this. It says, uh, why, why did Jesus never wear a necklace? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why did Jesus never wear a necklace? Why? Because he breaks every chain. Come on, because he breaks every chain, Okay. All right, that's good. There are more good ones. I'm not going to give them all today, but these are good ones. Thank you to, my, to the Ackerman children for supplying some humor. They're like, Dad, you just need to say some of these jokes during announcements to get their attention. <laughs> I was like, okay, got it. Okay, so quick announcements. Uh, we've got, uh, we like to announce our groups. We do have Men to Men coming up this Saturday uh, at 8 a.m. in the Rose Center. Uh, this is for men. It is up here in the Rosen, which is the white building on the left-hand side uh, when you come in. Uh, I know they're studying, they're actually going through a book right now uh, written by Mark Bowling, which is fantastic. I got to read a little bit of it, so what they're going through is, is good stuff. Uh, then the second one is we've got the Young Adult Life Group uh, coming up actually this week on Tuesday the 28th. Uh, and they actually also meet uh, in the Rose Center or the family room, but talk to Sid. She'll let you know where you guys 
uh, we'll be meeting. So that's for ages 18 to 28. If you're interested and you want to know more about it, see Sid, who's our worship leader, or you can email her at sydney at ecfchurch.org. Okay, uh, next announcement is we have the new word for you today is available, I believe, on the back table and also in the lobby. Uh, these come out three months at a time. This is for December, January, and February. It's a great little devotional uh, to just get your day started or end your day, or maybe it's the middle of the day, as Pastor Andy was saying. You just got to invite Jesus in throughout the day, even in the most difficult circumstances and situations. To Jesus, I invite you into this, into this space. And then we also have our December Bible reading plans for those who are reading the Bible with us. We're going through the New Testament as well as uh, during the weekend in Psalms and Proverbs over the weekend uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. So those are also on the back table available for you. Okay, uh, quick offering scripture. And then I'm excited to hear what Pastor Liz has to share today. Um, it's out of 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12. I've been walking through each of these verses uh, and the previous verses talk about giving, about giving with joy, about, you know, the, the sowing and the reaping and all these principles. And it sort of culminates with this, it sort of ends with this. For the administration of this service, so all these things that God was talking about, that Paul was teaching us in 2 Corinthians, says this, the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, so that's just like an understatement, like it all, it, hey guys, when we tithe, when we give, when we, when we ask, when we do as the Lord has commanded us to do, it not only supplies our needs, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Because we realize that when we do and when we give and when we tithe and we give above and beyond, we have to give glory to God. Because somehow, in some way, he makes it go further than if we, all, if we held it all ourselves. I don't understand it. Mathematically doesn't make sense. But God's principles turns this world upside down. Amen? And this is one of them that says, hey, Lord says, I test me in this. Give me the 10% and I will show you how it, this 90% goes further than the 100%. And I'm telling you, as a witness up here, it is a truth, a promise of the, some of the 11,782 promises that are in this Bible this is one of those, but we can stand on all of them, but this is one we can stand on and believe in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, uh, that your word is true, that you, that you fulfill your word, Lord, that we can trust in your word, Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for every gift, every giver. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of multiplication, Lord. And so, Father, we just give these gifts to you today uh, to bless you and to honor you, Lord, and may we steward them wisely. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5. Pastor Jason has been uh, taking us through um, Sermon on the Mount. And um, I always know when I'm meant to share, because as he's preaching... Holy Spirit is just like this. It doesn't say anything. I just sense that. And so I begin just kind of taking notes as he is preaching. And I love that because he does all of the preaching. And then I get to come um, and talk about what does this look like? What, what does it look like in real life? Because, you know, we live in real life. And if 
you've got a job and if you've got kids, if you've got a spouse, if you've got friends, if you go to school, it's just real life. And I'm convinced that um, how much we do the word is so much more important than how much we read the word. There are people who can quote the Bible from beginning to end and are the worst representations of Christ that you can possibly imagine. And it grieves me. And then there's Harriet Tubman who could not read and yet did miraculous works giving all glory to God because he led her. And the scriptures she did know, she clung to. The ones that she heard when she got to church. And oh, the amazing work that she did and couldn't read the word. So read the word. I'm not saying don't read the word for goodness sakes. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that being a doer of the word as we walk throughout each and every day and each and every moment, how present that word is to us and how we apply it and how he teaches us is so special. And it's, it's this partnership that is the way. It is the way. And when I am not engaged in that partnership, I'm lost. And so um, this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would do the work um, that would soften hearts to hear his, his pursuit of you. Um, he longs to partner with us um, and to do the heavy lifting. Um, so last week, Pastor Jason was in uh, Matthew chapter 5, and he was talking about all the oaths. And I appreciated that, like, don't swear by Jerusalem, don't swear by heaven. And I appreciated um, what he taught on that um, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's when the Lord began, you know, doing the little nudge to me. And the title of my message this morning is The Instability of Indecision. Pastor Jason talked about the squirrel in the middle of the road. And we've all had this happen. What he didn't know when he was up here, so he was up here last Sunday, was that Eva, I think it was like Thursday, right? Like I was driving the kids to school in the morning. Eva's in the front seat, four kids in the back. And we're coming down Heidler and there's the squirrel. And it comes out. And I mean, if you know me, I drive. I don't drive slow. I don't, I mean, by God's grace, I haven't been in an accident since Anna was her first birthday. So that's 2003 in March. So I'm a safe driver, but I'm fast. I'm good at city driving. Um, so that squirrel, it was just like, dude, it's between you and God at this point. You know, and he, I mean, it was, it was this message. It was indecision. And then there was a thump. Oh, I was like, oh, buddy. Oh, you lost. You rolled the dice on that and you lost. And Eva just looked at me and I was like, don't say anything. Because the kids in the back, they had no idea. I felt bad. He did not know that. But yes, indecision, it's the squirrel in the middle of the road. In James uh, chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about the double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double-minded. Yes? Or no, eh, I'm not sure, I don't know, I don't know, I don't care. <laughs> eh. Unstable in all his ways. Indecision leads to instability. It's debilitating and dangerous to stay in that place of indecision. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to, to, to be stuck in indecision. It's the squirrel in the middle of the road. So this morning, obviously, I have stories to share because that's how I do it. Um, that, the stories are meant to teach us about who God is. 
It's the only thing that matters in my life is who he is and how he shows himself strong on my behalf in the day-to-day. I'm such a practical person. Words of affirmation is my lowest love language because what you say matters not to me. Show me. Show me. Oh, I love you. Do you? (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Show me. I'm a show me girl. And oh, God loves to show himself strong on our behalf. He loves to show himself. He loves to show off. This is who I am. This is who I am. So, um, so yeah, I have some stories uh, to share. Uh, and I, I believe that as we dig into the everyday act of decision-making, we make so many decisions every day that we'll uncover these patterns of faith versus fear, truth versus lie, and life versus death. These are principles. These are powers at work in our lives every single day in the decisions that we make. So I'll get right into it. If you, when you find yourself in this place of indecision, um, there's reasons. There's, there's, I've identified three struggles. And I didn't realize, I, I, I sat down with the Lord and I got the message, the bones of the message, and um, I got it all kind of put together. And I gave it to Jason so he could do slides. He loves slides. If it was up to me, y'all wouldn't have any slides, okay? I just, bare bones. Um, but I give it to him so he can figure out some slides. And I realized that these three reasons for indecision, the first one we're going to talk about is in the spiritual realm. The second one is in the soul realm, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And the third one is in the physical. And I didn't, I didn't realize that as it was coming together. So I thought that was really cool. In the spiritual realm, we're going to talk about fear. We get stuck in indecision because of fear. And I'm not talking about a healthy fear. There is a weighty respect for the decision-making process. Your ability to choose to have free will is God's gift to you, and he will never violate it. Why do bad things happen? Because people choose to partner with evil and do bad things. They choose. He will not violate their choice. He will not. That's why there is a God. And horrible things happen because there is evil, and people choose to partner with evil and to do the works of the evil one. That is why bad things happen. And there is a good God who is always working through his church, through his church, that we would partner with good, with God to do good works on this earth. So that was extra. So there is a weighty, healthy fear and respect for the process of of making decisions. Um, Anyone who has suffered the consequences or the loss or the pain of a bad decision has a healthy fear of their decision-making, um, even small decisions. Um, I, I hate waste. I, I, I hate wasted time, most, most of all. My, the, the longing of my heart is for significance, not personal significance, but that my life would matter. I have eight children. I was like, this is eternal and important. I'm going to do it a lot. I'm going to make eight eternal beings, not just two or three or four, like a reasonable amount of work. I'm going to go all the way. I long for significance. So wasted time, wasted energy, and wasted money. These things grieve me. They grieve me because they're limited quantities. So I want to spend them well. So I do. I, whenever I'm making a decision, I seek wisdom because I, I've learned. I've, I just, I've learned. I've done months of work only to see it not be effective 
only to see it crumble because I didn't consult with the one who knows the way. I just, I thought I knew the way and it just seemed not that important. Like, who cares how I organize this closet? Well, there's wisdom that he would have helped me with and saved me wasted time, effort, energy, and money. So the fear that I'm talking about is not that healthy fear. It's fear and doubt. It's the back and forth. It's being stuck and full of anxiety. It paralyzes you. Fear paralyzes you. Those fears, they sound reasonable, and it sounds responsible. Um, and it sounds factual, like, you know, the last time you t- tried to do this project, it didn't work out well. Well, that might be a fact, but it's adding, it's a, it's adding to a fear. It's paralyzing me. Um, okay, yeah, so I'm not there yet, but I'm going to tell you a story. Um, we were in the process of finally obeying the Lord. In 2016, he told us to get our house in order, I knew when he spoke that word to me, I knew exactly where I was sitting, and I knew exactly what he meant. And that was a word for us. It is not in the Bible. It doesn't say clean up your stuff. And this was 2016. He knew that in 2018, Pastor Jim was going to travel to Maine and have a heart attack on the side of the road. He knew that the call on our life was going to be to do it together. I had no idea. I was just going to be a mom. I love my safe little space that I created at home. I, was, I, I struggle so much to trust and to love other human beings. I just made eight of my own. I'll just make my own. And I will, I will love and trust and build relationship with them. <laughs> I'll just make my own crew. Um, so I know I had no intention of stepping into ministry, which is, whoo, it's people, right? But he knew. And he said, get your house in order. And he meant organize your stuff so that your home can be a base of support and not a place of stress where you can never find the duct tape and you don't know where the scissors are. He wanted me to organize our life because we do have 10 people living in the house. So organization is not optional. Um, we, he said, get your house in order. So in 2023, it's been the year of the renovation at the Ackerman house. It's a little stressful. We live in a 100-year-old farmhouse, the center section of the home. You know, we have a family room that was built in the 80s, and then we have a nice entryway garage that was built in 2000. We bought the home in 2015. The 100-year-old portion has two bathrooms upstairs that looked like they were 100 years old. It was beyond bad. It was time. It's like you got to bite the bullet and do it. So we're renovating these two bathrooms, and um, you know how projects snowball. So then, okay, well, we're going to replace the carpet, and then we're going to do this. And we got to a point where I stopped having peace because I wanted to do this. I wanted to take another step. And it was like a whisper, like, get your house in order. Like, if you're going to spend another chunk of money, how about you do that? And so I knew exactly what it meant. It meant the garage, the storage area, which is down in our basement. It's like the unfinished portion of our basement in a 100-year-old house. Low ceilings, lots of pipes, like, but that's the only space we have for storage in the house. Um, and the laundry room. These are the three support areas of our home. These are the areas that support our life. Um, It holds all of our stuff that we need. Um, So I say to Jason, I think we need to do this. He's on board. Yeah, we're going to do it. Let's do it. And I began this internal struggle in the valley of indecision. How do we do this? How do we go about doing this? And I am struggling and I, am, I get, it's like, oh, you get this fuzzy, foggy, uh, does anyone? Is it just me? Mm. 
And there's lots of thoughts. You're going back, you're going forth. You want to be responsible. You want to do the right thing. I don't want to waste time, energy, um, effort, and money. And I talked to Lila. I was dropping her off at Asbury Woods, and I just, oh, I'm struggling. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know becomes my mantra. And I dropped her off, and I started driving away. And the Holy Spirit, so good. He's like, all right, Liz, let's do it. Let's do it. What are you afraid of? I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We've done this before. Me and the Holy Spirit, we've had this conversation before. And I was excited to have it. Um, he had to prompt it. I, fear, I feel like the next time this happens, hopefully I will have learned where I will run to him and say, let's do it. Can we do it? Can we talk about what I'm afraid of? Instead of having to suffer and wait for him to come. All right, Liz, what are you afraid of? I was like, okay. I'm most afraid of wasting money, of spending money poorly, making the wrong decisions about the plan and how, how deep to go, how, how comprehensive of a job are we talking here? Are we talking like use some of the bins we already own and just make it better? Are we talking about a comprehensive redo where we empty everything out and get all the bins with the labels and the shelving? I just, I'm afraid of wasting money. I'm afraid of making the wrong decisions, i.e. I'm afraid to fail. I just don't want to fail. I don't want to waste all my time and effort, energy, and money, and I'm afraid of making Jason upset because he will not want to do what I want to do. And so those are my three biggest fears. And immediately he goes, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And there's not even a moment's hesitation. I already knew what it was that needed to be done, comprehensively done, once and for all to support our life and our ministry. God is doing something, and this is why it needs to be done. It's not just this willy-nilly, I want to look like the home edit. No one's coming to take pictures of my garage. It's not going to be on TV. Um, so what are you afraid of? What would you do if you weren't afraid? And I knew immediately the plan, and it was uh, a Friday. It was about 10 a.m. we had this conversation. At 11 a.m., I am in the driveway just emptying the garage, everything. He comes home at 1230, and he just stands there and goes, so we're doing this. I was like, we're doing it. Because number one, I am no longer afraid of wasting money because God is with me. I am no longer afraid of failure because God is with me. And I'm not afraid of making you upset because I know that God is with me and that this is the right decision. And I know this is what we're supposed to do. Um, he wasn't upset. He wasn't upset because my stability, my certainty, my faith grounded him. And in that scenario, in that situation, at the next morning at 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., we were at Lowe's buying closet-made rubber, or not rubber, metal, you know, the, the closet stuff on both sides of the garage. I was afraid of these things, and he helped me to identify my fear. Sometimes as word of faith, we have a word of faith foundation. Sometimes we're afraid to even admit that we have fear. Y'all do. Every single one of you, fear doesn't ever let up doesn't ever stop coming, doesn't ever stop throwing seed into us to see what might grow, is a constant, constant, you know, uh, gardening effort on the inside of our souls to pluck the little weeds of fear before they take root and grow into something devastating. So identifying the fear was, was my step one, and he helped me to do that. And once that fear was identified, then 
I could look to God's truth. Once the fear was out loud, sometimes it's just fuzzy. I don't realize I'm afraid. I don't realize I'm believing a lie. I don't realize it. But once I had this conversation with the Holy Spirit, it, it actually, the conversation wasn't out loud, but it was out loud in my head. Does, you, does that make sense to you guys? It was conscious. It was very conscious. It was a very intentional conversation in my head. I, immediately God's word began to bubble up on the inside of me. I have all the wisdom of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And then out loud, God, I ask for wisdom in the name of Jesus regarding this project. Father, that I would operate in all the wisdom of heaven, that every decision would be guided by the wisdom that you give without finding fault. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that scripture because when I was in the depths of my I suck phase, which was 46 years long, I'm 47, um, it's over now. It's over. 2023 was a turning point year for me. In my I suck phase, I knew that I could still ask for wisdom because he wouldn't find fault. And all I had, all I could ever see was fault, right? I'm disqualified from your love and here's all the reasons why. It was such, it was such garbage. It's such garbage. But this scripture, all the wisdom of heaven is mine. He will give it to me. Uh, he'll help me succeed even if I falter along the way. So there's that fear of failure. Uh, Proverbs 16.3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So long as I include him, so long as I take my plans and I submit them to him, I give him the opportunity to change, to alter, to move me, I'll succeed. It's a guarantee. So even if I make mistakes along the way, I don't have to be afraid of failing. And I don't have to be perfect because I can trust that he is with me. I sought the Lord, Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And then in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. Well, my garage was my troubles. It was a lot. It's a big job. And I just didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to fail. So he pulled me out of the valley of indecision. He pulled me out of the instability of indecision. But it was by faith. Faith takes action. Faith takes action. Fear paralyzes. That's how you can recognize it. Um, that's how you can recognize fear. Because it paralyzes you. And it torments you. So the lie of, if I make the wrong decision, I'll suffer the pain and loss of failure had to submit. So you have to act on God's word. You actually have to stand on it. And then you have to throw out the lie. You just got to throw it in the little mental garbage can. It's got to go. So I, I have this picture that fear is like ants. They multiply. It'll multiply and it'll overtake. It'll overtake and devour, steal, kill, destroy. God, God's word is like sunshine. Okay, it exists. It is necessary for life as the ultimate power, and it's everywhere. It's everywhere for those. They, the just and the unjust are operating under the word of God, um, whether they know it or not. It's everywhere. We have the choice. Will we use our will? Will we turn our will and our words like a magnifying glass to concentrate the power of God's word the power of his truth to absolutely incinerate the fear. So, you know, the magnifying glass that takes that ray of sun and burns the ants, the poor ants. But if you don't 
tend that. If you, if you just, oh, it's just one little ant. It's better than that person over there. They have a whole ant hill. That one ant will multiply. That fear will multiply. It will, it will overtake. So I'm so thankful. I mean, God gets all the glory. That was a conversation that he prompted. And, you know, my husband tries to give me props. Like, babe, and so the garage is done. It took like two weeks. It does look amazing. But not only does it look amazing, it is sound. It's, and it's only sound. I'm great at making things look amazing organizationally and in a home. But I needed God's wisdom. I needed help to make it work. So it is a sound organization. It's something that will function. It's functional. It's not going to be a mess, you know, three months from now. And that was God. That was his wisdom because he cared so much about me in my dilemma of my garage. Um, so that number one, I was in the valley of indecision. In There was a bit of torment. I was upset. I just wanted to go to bed. Like, oh, I just don't, I, can't, I just can't. You know, it really does affect you just are at this um, the fork in the road and recognizing, identifying that fear, looking to God's word for the truth, and then acting on his word. Save the day. It saved the day. And so now Jason's like, oh, babe, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I'm just like, Jesus. Like, it's just Jesus. It's Jesus and a little bit of bravery. It takes a little bit of bravery to step out in faith. It just does. Um, it, to take that first step and say, I am not going to be afraid. I feel, af- I feel the fear, but I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to act on it. And that's all choice. That's all right here in the, human, in the human being. We are the creatures of the earth who have the power to choose. Um, okay, number two, the flesh. The valley of indecision, the instability of indecision, the battle between flesh and spirit. So why sometimes are we paralyzed, cannot make decisions, um, make the wrong decisions? Uh, and it's because there's a battle going on. Uh, I'm going to read out of Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read 16 to 18, and then I'm also going to read uh, verses 24 and 25. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. He goes on in some of the verses after um, to talk about what happens when you follow your sinful nature, all of the awful things that you can get into. Um, And then it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So what happens when we follow the Spirit? There's the fruit of the Spirit, which is great. But if we jump down to verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So you might say, Liz, this is going, why are you talking to me about organizing your garage? I've got real problems. Because if you can't practice it, if you can't practice how to partner with the Holy Spirit in organizing your garage or, you know, how to properly load the dishwasher... Adam Lakovic isn't here. Uh, Rachel, that was for you. How to properly load the dishwasher. 
Um, if you can't follow the leading and the partnership with the Holy Spirit in the small things, then how will we apply them in the bigger things, in the larger things, in the life-saving things? Okay? Why do bad things happen to Christians? Why do Christian teenagers die in car accidents? I don't exactly, I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers to those hard questions. And this is, again, a side note. I was desperate when I had babies. Lord, how do I protect them? How do I keep them safe? If I ever lost a child, I just don't think I could make it. God, and I was frantic. And it wasn't, I got to the point, and gosh, God is so good to me. He just has walked me through so many things. Um, I got to the point where the answer was, you can't. I can't. I cannot guarantee their safety. But what I, over time, the Holy Spirit taught me how to parent. You know what you can do, Liz? You can teach them to know my voice. That's my number one goal as a parent, is to teach my children to be guided by the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of them, to trust their discernment, to develop their discernment, and to develop obedience. If you think it's not a big deal, if you ask your child to not run, and then they run anyway, and you're just like, oh, kids, it is a big deal because they have to learn how to be obedient so that they can learn to obey an unseen God. Their life depends on it. Because as adults, we have had experiences where the, the Holy Spirit has said, don't go. Okay, I, I heard that. I won't go that way. Go this way. Do this. It's always very short. He doesn't ever give some big warning. Don't go. There's going to be an earthquake. He never tells you what is going to happen. He just says don't. And so I've developed in my kids, and I'm actively always developing in them the ability to hear the Holy Spirit. Um, just yesterday, Ruby couldn't find a pair of yoga pants that she loves. Mom, where are my yoga pants? They're not my yoga pants. It's like, all I can tell you is I haven't seen them in the wash, so they're stuck somewhere, you, you know. And I told her, you need to pray. Ask the Lord. He knows exactly where they're at. You need to pray, and you need to wait, and you need to hear from heaven. And you need to trust that he loves you and cares about you so much that he's going to help you to find your yoga pants. Um, I don't know the conclusion of that story. I lost interest and moved on to something else. I'm not sure if she's found them yet. But I know for a fact that he will hear her prayer, and he will answer her, and he will develop and grow her faith so that she is strong and mighty because he is trustworthy. All that was extra. Um, so all that is to say is that these, these stories that I share, God is teaching me, and then I'm just sharing it with you um, because he's our helper. The Spirit is our helper. And in Galatians, you know, the scripture that I just read, he wants to guide our lives. He knows the way, but we fight with him, right? The flesh fights with the Spirit. We hold on to our own ideas, our own reasoning, our goals, our plans, what we want. So, this is what this looks like. On Tuesday, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, I am running out of time. I have a list so long of things that need to be done. Um, and I need to go grocery shopping for a family of 10 people. And I have a kind of semblance of a grocery list. And I'm pretty good at grocery shopping at this point. I know where every item is in the West Side Wegmans. And um, so I wake up, and I'm just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get the kids to school early. 
and I'm going to go grocery shopping. So this is on Tuesday. On Monday night, I get three phone calls. Number one, hi, this is Lowe's. We are delivering your refrigerators. We had to get two different refrigerators the week of Thanksgiving. It's a whole other story. Um, uh, we're delivering your refrigerators, your delivery windows between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. tomorrow. Okay. Second call is from Steve Adiska, one of our favorite friends who comes and rescues us whenever we try to do a DIY project. He comes and fixes our mistakes. He knows what he's doing. And so he's like, hey, I'm coming to fix that bathroom mirror and that faucet that you needed done. I'll be there at 9.30 in the morning. It's like, okay. And then a text uh, from the contractor who did our bathroom. Uh, his helper, Devin, needed to come and just fix this little bit of wall that needed a, a little help. It's like, Devin will be over in the morning. All three on Tuesday morning. But I wake up and I say, I can do it. I can do it. What are the odds that Lowe's is going to come at 9 a.m.? They're not. It's from 9 to 1, they're not going to come at 9 a.m. Steve Adiska can come because Lila's home. Lila can let Steve in. She knows who Steve is. And Devin can come whenever he's been here, whatever. The dogs will bark. He can do his thing. So I'm, I can do it. And so I, getting the kids ready, all three little girls want high piggy tails. So ooh, there you go. I just got delayed by 15 minutes by saying yes to that. So we don't leave early. We leave at the regular time. I think, ah, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. You know, I'll take the list just in case. And then I get in the car, and as I'm backing out, I'm like, oh, I don't have my shopping bags. I shouldn't do it anyway. I really shouldn't do it. As I'm driving, but I can do it. <laughs> this is the valley of indecision, right? I can do it. This is ex- I can do this. And then the grocery shopping will be done. By 9 a.m., it'll be done. So I drop them off at school. And again, which way do I go? Do I turn this way to go home? Or do I turn this way to go to Wegmans? And it's the moment. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And as I say that, there's like a, what does it feel like on the inside? It's not like a warning bell because it's definitely not that loud. It's just a little something. It's just holding space. It's just like a, okay, like it, okay, you're doing it. As I'm walking into Wegmans, I feel that, that little knot. It's like a little knot. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I walk into Wegmans, it's 8.50. Um, I go to the deli counter. They know me. At the deli counter, they know my order. But I, I give my order, and I, they know. Here's my order. I'll be back. And so I start. And I, I am probably at the, okay, so 8.50. I do over $400 of groceries, and I am back at the deli counter by 9.08 a.m. How do I know that it was 9.08 a.m.? Because that's when my phone rang. Hey, this is Lowe's. We're in your driveway. I was like... You were supposed to call me first. He's like, eh, you probably have an email or something. I was like, okay. I was like, listen, I, I just ran to the grocery store really quick, but I will be home in 10 minutes. Please don't leave. Will you wait for me? He's like, yeah, we'll wait. I was like, okay, thank you. I'm lying. Bold-faced lie. There's no way that I am getting home in 10 minutes, and I know it. Confession, okay? Confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed. I'm lying to this man so that he won't leave with my refrigerators. <laughs> um, so I take my cart and I run. I'm running through Wegmans with my cart full of groceries. And I run around the front of the store, around floral, and I get to the self-checkout. First, I check who are the cashiers. No way. I know all the cashiers. I know which ones will smush your groceries. I know which ones. There's only one. She's a nice lady, but 
gosh, she's so slow. None of them are going to do. My favorite cashier was there, but there's no way she's going to move as fast as I want her to. So I look at the self-checkout lady. I get low. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's like there are low lows is at my house, and if they leave with my refrigerators, my husband is going to kill me. That's a lie. But I was just like, he's not going to kill me. But that wasn't a willful lie. I just was upset. I was like, I was like, I, I didn't think they'd actually come at nine, but they did. They did. They came at nine. Please. She's like, girl, go. Do it. So I start scanning. I don't have grocery bags. I have to open all the paper bags. And so I'm opening the bags, and she's like, okay, move. She starts scanning and just handing me groceries like this. God bless her, right? I'm opening bags. I'm throwing groceries into bags. I'm the most OCD bagger you've ever met. I don't even care at this point. Throwing groceries into bags, opening bags. We get done. I pay. I'm like, thank you so much. Some other woman, my cart was in her way, and she's trying to move it. I was like, I got it. Thanks. I grab my cart, and I run out of Wegmans. I run. I'm running. (laughs) Because it's $400 of groceries. It's heavy. I have to go around all the displays that they have right inside when you're trying to enter and exit. So around the cookies and then around the pumpkins. And I get out the doors and I, there's a straightaway to my van. Full speed, run. I open my van. I'm grabbing the bags and I'm chucking them into the back of the van. I'm throwing them into the van. The bags begin to break. I'm grabbing cans off the ground and I'm throwing them. I am wet with sweat. I am breathing heavy. I get it all done. Some woman walks by me. God, you just got to love people, okay? It's obvious. It looks like someone might be dying or in labor. I mean, this is like a true emergency. And this woman walks by me with her little cart. Then, like, gives me side eye. I mean, I tried not to be mad at her, but it was just like, she didn't, like, smile and be like, is everything okay? Do you need help? Anyway, so, she, so I close my van, and I take two steps toward the cart return, which is across the way. Two steps. As hard as I can, it makes it, because if it didn't make it, I would go back and fix it, because I don't, I return my carts. Christians should return their carts as much as possible. Don't be that person. Just don't, don't be the person who doesn't return the cart. Smash. I mean, it smashes into it. I can't be responsible for that. It's in. I get in my car, and I begin to race home. I call Lila. Lila was not feeling well. I was like, baby girl, I know you don't feel well, and I'm sorry. I know this is going to stress you out, but I need you to open the door and let the Lowe's guys in, and I need you to start unloading the refrigerator in the kitchen all over the countertops. Just put everything on the countertops. You just got to unload it. Tell them I'll be there in like eight minutes, and I'll unload the garage refrigerator. Don't let them leave. I know you don't feel well. I'm so sorry. I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. I said I'm an idiot probably eight times that morning, and I knew every time I said it, there was this little, oh, I'm not an idiot, but I did make a mistake. I did fight against the Holy Spirit's help. He was trying to help me. He knew what time that truck was coming. He knew that I could have peace. I could have had my coffee. I could have had the baskets of the two refrigerators unloaded. Um, I could have opened the door to those dudes and just been so whatever. But instead, I was a maniac. I was a maniac at Wegmans. People staring. I don't care. I just don't want the refrigerators to leave my property. So I get there, I park on my grass, Lowe's is there, I go, oh, I'm so sorry, I am off the charts, stressed, um, and I start unloading groceries, just chucking groceries out of my refrigerator so that they can take the old ones and put the new ones in place. It was a little bit awful, 
it was just a little bit awful. Um, I kept saying to myself, I can do it. I'm strong. I can do it. I'm strong, which is this video we have of Jairus when he's two and he hurt himself and we made him say, I can do it. I'm strong. Um, So there's just this mental battle. Do I go or don't I go? The indecision. And I got that feeling in that, eh, eh. But boy, I pushed against it. I'm going to make, I'm going to make my decision. I didn't recognize that there was a battle going on Or if I did, it's not like I didn't feel it, but I didn't identify. I didn't call it out. Like, Liz, you're fighting. You're pushing against peace. You're pushing for your own way. It's hard to recognize that because I wanted my way. (laughs) Um, So the lie involved in this interaction was I know better. I can do it. That was the lie. (laughs) I can do it. I can decide for myself. What does God care when I go to the grocery store? You know, do I have to ask him, like, can I get dressed this morning? No, he doesn't. Sometimes, most of the time, he doesn't care when I go to the grocery store. But today, he was trying to help me. He was trying to help me. Um, And this is an interesting note. This was not the work of the enemy, okay? This, all of this, all of the consequences, all of the battle, all of the indecision and the, the, none of that is the work of, was the work of the enemy, There was no torment involved. I wasn't tormented. This was purely my own reasoning. This was the will of my flesh exerting itself against the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I just found that interesting because it felt different than the garage story. The garage story, when I was dropping Lyle off, I was was feeling under. I was feeling confused. I was feeling low and unable and weak and like, all these bad feelings, all these bad lies. You can't make this decision. You're going to waste money. Jason's going to be mad at you. You're never going to get it done. You're never going to take this over the finish line. You're a starter, not a finish. All these things. That was all the enemy. Those were lies. So I went to God's word, right, and did all those three lovely things that you guys took notes on. But this time, it really wasn't the work of the enemy. It was my own dang self. It was my own self. And so... The truth here is that he, he was just trying to help me. I, I needed to give attention to that and not push against it. He always wants to help us. So it's like, what do we do in that situation where it's our own flesh? You know, and it takes practice to recognize that a battle is happening. It takes this awareness, and that takes practice to be aware that there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, It takes practice um, to recognize that the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you. It's not a concrete thing here. It's a relationship. It's literally communication. Jason and I have been married for 24 years. We struggle sometimes to communicate, especially recently. He says it, and he uses a completely different set of words, and I use the opposite words, but we're both saying the same thing honest to goodness, but we look at, it was about a pipe coming out from the wall, and he was like, no, it goes to the right. He's like, no, it veers to the left. It's like, no, it goes to the right as it goes into the wall, and I was like, no, it goes to the left as it comes out of the wall. Like, we were just looking at it from two different perspectives. Communication takes practice. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit, what I'm talking about here, takes practice. It's not concrete. It's a relationship, so it's not like stand on this truth and this will happen. That is what we do when we're standing against the enemy. 
But when we're talking about following the leading of the Holy Spirit, there's, no, there's not a shortcut. There's not a concrete thing. You have to know him. You have to practice. And you have to fail. That's how you learn. <laughs> you have to fail. And he has mercy on us as we're learning. But what he honors is our commitment to learn. Okay? He honors our surrender to learn. Um, number two, surrender quickly to his leading. Once you recognize it, surrender quickly. He will lead us, but he's not going to control he is not going to force. He let me go into Wegmans. Why? Why did you spare me? Well, because, girl, you do you. And you didn't partner with me. Like, he does not shackle us to himself. That's not relationship. Uh, he'll give us wisdom, but it's us to, up to us to apply the wisdom and to choose to submit to it. And then the third point here is to respond well after failure. And this is a this is a good this is a this is a good moment for me. This day was not I'm up here talking about it because it ended kind of well. And why it ended well is because when I got in the car, I had seven and a half minutes between Wegmans and my home, and I began to just pray in the spirit. That's it. I prayed in the spirit. In 2023, actually starting in mid-2022, I decided to demystify praying in the spirit, despiritualize it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it whenever I need to. I'm not going to have to worship for three songs first to feel. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'm just going to begin to pray in the Spirit. And it is the only thing that I can tell you is 100% effective rate, meaning the situation before I pray in the Spirit always changes to something else after I pray in the Spirit. It's not always right away. And sometimes I don't even realize it's happened until I'm over here and I'm in this happy moment or this peaceful moment. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And the Lord just reminds me, you prayed in the Spirit. You prayed when you were upset. You prayed when you were confused. You prayed when you were lost. You prayed when you were angry. You prayed when you were furious. You prayed when you were sinning. You prayed, you just prayed without understanding and you laid it all, and you trusted in me, and you trusted in the Spirit to do the work. Um, I didn't wait to feel it, to feel worthy, to feel anything. I just do it. So respond well. I prayed in the Spirit, and I did not disqualify myself from his mercy. God, have, I bet you, I said, God, have mercy on me, an idiot. I mean, have mercy on me. I just did something not awesome. Don't call yourself idiots. I never do it. It's why it was so, oh, it was just so jarring. Um, our failure doesn't disqualify us from his help. He will answer us, and he will give us mercy. He will help us. I got a dog once. The dog ruined our life. Six months later, I was like, this dog is leaving in the name of Jesus. Lord, if you want to help me, I, I invite it. I ask for your help because I feel terrible. But if you don't, I'm calling the Humane Society at 11 a.m. when it opens, and the dog is leaving. And he helped me. He, he answered that snarky, short-tempered prayer. <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> oh, my gosh, he's telling me what time it is. Liz, it's 11. I had no idea what time it was. So you all can thank him for that. Thank you. I had no idea. I was not even looking at the clock. I'm just enjoying sharing this with you all so much. Okay, let me move on. Um, he helps us. So respond well. Respond in faith when you make mistakes. Reach out to him. Don't distance yourself. 
He will help you. The number three reason for indecision is simply fatigue. It's physical exhaustion. It's that you're tired. We make so many decisions. We are bombarded with so much information. Um, the lie here is I can't, I don't know, and I don't care, whatever. Have a lollipop. I don't care. Leave me alone. In that moment, what I need to do, we tend to be reluctant to admit our own needs. We tend to despise our own weakness. And so we fake it. We try to fake it and make decisions, even when we're tired or hungry or sad. Instead of in humility saying, I can't, I'm not making this decision right now. I need food. I need to be alone for a few minutes. And confessing our need, our physical need, and making that space for ourselves. We don't protect ourselves well. We're really hard on ourselves, most of us. And he's not okay with that. I'm telling you, he's not okay with that. That is not grace. He wants us to walk in grace. He wants us to walk in humility so that he can strengthen us. Um, Elijah wanted to die. He literally was despairing for his life, and God gave him food and a nap. And then he was able to do great things for God. God is very practical. He's very practical. He doesn't despise our weakness. We do. And he's not okay with it. So sometimes we struggle to make decisions because we're, we physically have needs or even emotionally have needs. And you have now my permission. Give yourself space. Tell your wife, babe, I need a few minutes before I make that decision. I can't talk about that right now. I promise we'll talk about it in a bit. And vice versa. Say it to your kids. Don't give them what they want all the time. It's exhausting. Okay, what do you do about fatigue? Well, that's pretty obvious. You identify the issue and say it out loud. Say it out loud. It, it changed everything in my house when I started saying, I'm getting upset. I never used to say it. I would just get upset. And then it was like a volcano. It would erupt. And they would all scurry. It happened. It happened. Now I say, I'm getting upset. And they all scurry toward me. What can I do, Mom? How can I help you? It's really cool. It's very simple. Just say it. And I learned that from Daniel Tiger on PBS Kids. He sings, not lying, he sings a song, Mad, 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 It Helps to Say I'm Mad. It was like a light bulb. I was like, oh, maybe it'll help if I say that I'm getting mad. And it does. And it does. Okay. Um, delay the decision and then resist that pressure to, um, to decide quickly and then meet those physical needs. So... It's okay, church, to be tired. It's okay to be needy sometimes. It's okay because you're human, and he made us this way, and he loves us. He wants to help us. He will help us to know when we need to fight fear, when we need to stand against the enemy and stand in the word. He'll help us to identify you're fighting, you're fighting the spirit now. You're in the flesh. You need to you need to take a step back. You need to submit. You need to obey for your own good. Or he'll help us to know when we just need to submit to rest, to receive. It's hard for some people to receive rest and love. It just is hard. But he'll help us. He's our helper. Okay. The instability of indecision. It's not a place for us as believers. We have the helper we have the word, and we can be confident in our abilities to make decisions about practical life in the spiritual realm for our children, in our marriages, as we walk in partnership with him. Okay, go ahead and stand up. Oh, can I have keys?
Jake, you should have come up here like 10 minutes ago, like just as a signal. Like she has no idea what time it is. No clue. I can do it. I can get through all the notes. We're going to close in prayer. We're just going to pray together. Uh, At the end of service, we're going to have our prayer teams come up. If you need prayer, if you need agreement for big decisions or small decisions, or if this is a torment to you, we've been through a period in our life where we, the smallest decisions were like a torment. Andy bears witness to this. I think he prayed so much for us. Oh my goodness. We couldn't decide on anything. We were so afraid of making bad decisions. We were so afraid of making mistakes especially in front of people, and it was paralyzing. And thank, I'm just so thankful for Pastor Andy in particular, but for praying people who pray for us, and we pray for you. Um, so let's just close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for your great love for us. Father, I thank you that you care so deeply about the smallest details of our lives. Father, I thank you for the helper, the Holy Spirit that you have given to us, that we can walk in all wisdom, in all safety and success in the decisions of our daily lives. Father, I thank you that your word is powerful, living, active, and true, and that your truth is the unshakable foundation of our faith, that your truth will incinerate fear, that your truth will uproot the lies of the enemy, that your truth will empower us to break all partnerships with sin and with death. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will teach us to walk in truth, that you will lead us in your word, that our faith would grow strong. Father, we ask that you would grow us into mighty men, mighty women, and mighty children who walk with unwavering trust and confidence in your love in your leading, in your wisdom, in your faithfulness, your mercy, and your grace. Father, you are the unfailing one, and in you we place our trust as we grow in confidence to make godly decisions and to walk through this life as ambassadors for your kingdom. God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, church, you're dismissed. Be blessed. Make good decisions with Jesus this week.